Welcome to another episode of Carolina Podcast. This is brought to you by the Student Life and Leadership Office in the Carolina Union. I'm your host, Jing Wen Wu. This week, our guest is Professor Sahar Hidarifard, a new member of UNC PPE program. Hello, new listeners. I'm your host, Jing Wen. Today, we are excited to welcome Professor Ford to join us. Professor Ford is the co-faculty of the UNC Philosophy, Politics, and Economics, the PPE program. Professor Ford, could you please introduce yourself? Well, um, I don't know what to say in addition to what you said. <laughs> uh, I'm Sahar Hedari Fard. Um, for some reason in the UNC system, I've been recorded as Fard, uh, but my full family name is Hedari Fard. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. But no, totally fine, totally fine. Um, I have a PhD in philosophy. I teach um, in the philosophy, politics, and economics program. Uh, I also have a master in economics, and I'm very much interested in social and political issues of our life. So I'm trying to draw insight from all these three disciplines to be able to answer adequately what is going on and what we can do to fix the problems that we perceive in the world. Yes, this insights draw from the three disciplines are very rewarding. I would like to recommend the UNC PPE curriculum to all of our listeners for the interdisciplinary education not only introduced me to different fields of knowledge, but also equipped me with the necessary toolkit in addressing and comprehensively analyze real-world social problems like racism, gender inequality, um, the rise of right-wing xenophobia, etc. In the capstone classes of the PPE, I found a lot of our readings are concerned about individualism versus holism, open versus closed society, minority rights, as well as social norms. Readings like The Imperative of Integration by Elizabeth Anderson and The Racial Contract by Charles Mills provoked me to reflect on the reasons behind the racism and what we can do about it. I sincerely appreciate you, Professor, who assigned these pieces and joined our podcast today. February is the Black History Month. In today's discussion, we're going to talk about Black history and current human rights movements. Professor, in your dissertation, The Morality of Social Movements, you analyze the um, chronic and complex social problems like the racism and gender inequality. I'm curious about why you're interested in those aspects and social justice topics. Good question. So um, I'm Iranian and I moved to the United States eight years ago. And I admit that before moving here, I really didn't have a good grasp of what race means. Um, I knew that this concept exists and I knew that some people make claims based on racial differences, but I really didn't feel it as a person. What does that mean? And why that matters to a lot of people. But when I came here, it was my first time figuring that, oh, I am racialized, regardless of whether I want to take the concept of race seriously or not. And there has been brave social movements that has tried to address this kind of feeling that I'm having, and it's very new, um, that has influenced my life even when I was living on the other side of the planet in Iran. So I got interested because I realized that if, if I like it or not, these things are changing my life and there are things that I can do about them to fix them. And I wanted to figure out how. Yeah, I totally relate to that. 
As an international student from China, I had never expected racism to be such an important topic to study. The more I learned about racism, the more I got aware of the impact of it on every individual and aspect of society. As a student pursuing a humanity major, I sometimes find it hard to understand why and how we can apply philosophical or even somewhat theoretical analysis to understand and propose policies that can shape our society. What do you think are the values or the reasons that people should invest time and energy in normatively addressing social questions and problems? Very lovely question. I think there are different ways to think about how our values or our um, philosophies that we already adopted because of living in different cultures or contexts has shaped the problems that we are dealing with, or at least justified it. Because sometimes these problems that we are dealing with are not problems that can be easily dismissed. They involve violence, they involve um, harsh situations for people. But one way or another, we choose to, or we are so used to seeing those things that we feel okay to dismiss them or felt like these are not big problems. And when you look at the history of philosophical thinking in different societies and different cultures at different times, you can see there are shifts in the way that people conceptualize what is right or wrong, what is um, valuable or ideal based on the struggles that they've been going through. And when you look at different parts of the same society, you felt you easily observe that the people who are oppressed, for instance, mm -hmm. choose different kind of theoretical frameworks to understand their world comparing to people who are the oppressors or they have a lot of power. So I felt like as a humanities student, it's very, very important actually to rethink what are those assumptions that allow us to dismiss or not take other people's claims seriously. And what are the changes that we can make to not make the same mistakes over and over again? That's very well said. Before studying philosophy, I often intentionally or unintentionally ignored other people's experiences in society. I have to admit, it is difficult to fully connect and empathize with different people as I don't face the challenges that they are facing, nor did their problem would directly impact me. But right now, I usually feel ashamed by I used to take the privilege I have for granted instead of um, truly explore and trying to understand the reasons behind the inequality in society. But wait, just to go back to the last part of your previous question, uh -huh. I think we should all invest in understanding these things because if you don't, you sometimes can be complicit in the very same problems that are hurting others, right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to do that, well, you should rethink your assumptions. And some other times, you might be even a part of your own oppression or own problems, but because you don't know, you are obeying those rules or values blindly. And you don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah, sometimes we assist like a member of society may intensify those struggle, like conflicts so without being noticed. Yeah. And could you please give us some examples of the emergence of some philosophical thoughts like liberal democracy can lead and promote social justice in the long run? Um I think um 
liberal democracy has given up given us a lot of very important tools to be able to articulate what is the problem and why we have dismissed some problems in the past or how we can move forward from the place we have right but i think dialogue between liberal democracy and many other philosophical thought is very also very important because without that kind of conversation we can also go back to the assumption that well you're living in an ideal society and how we should like organize our ideal society in which race or gender or class doesn't matter and like bring in the insight of everyone while we're dismissing the struggles that people have to even survive, leave alone, make your, their voice heard, right? So I think liberal democracy is great, yay! But it is also important to hear the objections of other ways of thinking uh -huh. for the liberal democracy and see whether we can use the very same tool that liberal democracy has afforded us to solve those problems. Yeah, I have to admit a lot of lower subjects like the beginning of political science, we are based on the assumption that all the world, all the beginning of societies are perfect. Like um, the fundamental philosophical text of Plato's Republic. This just resonates with the previous reading that I had for my other classes. Yeah, I wonder whether, whether you would mind to sharing some reasons you think is the root cause of racialism and systematic inequality in our society as we are discussing about the, like the factors being dismissed and um, the challenge or conflict being avoided by the public? Um, great question. I think there are a lot of things that are involved, but something that is often um, dismissed and we are talking about in our class mm -hmm. is that in a very complex and dynamic system of the society, sometimes we find ways or the society finds ways to create memory for itself. Memory. memory in a sense that the state that it has had in time t1 mm -hmm. can affect the states that it can potentially get to in time t2 right so we cannot erase our past and create mm -hmm. a future and we cannot pretend that that past doesn't exist and if we want to go to an ideal future we can just pretend that like mm -hmm. um none of those things are affecting us today and we can just change our interactions or beliefs or systems and get to a place that everything is much better than today so acknowledging the weight that past is putting on us and the constraint that is putting on our actions or interactions is very important to be able to explain what happens in the future so i think history matters Mm -hmm. for sure but also paying attention to the very small things that we do every day who we are interacting with who we think is okay to um throw under the bus or not pay mm -hmm. attention to is also very important but also it's important to pay attention to who are the people who we hear their concerns regularly or we are worried about or who are the people that we are erasing from our history, stories mm -hmm. uh, when we are trying to explain what is going on? What do you think is the like the are the courses that make people to intentionally erase some people out of history, like women or the black history? What are the reasons why people would ignore um, the racial minorities' story being heard at the first place? 
I think in like different cases, it can be different. But if we want to talk about them very generally, I think it's often the case that people, when they have access to some like source of power or some resources, and they realize that they can get a bigger share if they don't share it with others, well, obviously they want to hoard those opportunities or those resources and not shared with others but there are some other situations that people don't do this intentionally it is just like a history of this kind of practices that like you can see even now that like i don't know um if um you look at um teen movies even and mm -hmm. uh, you can see often there is someone who is okay to make fun of or claim that that person is just dumb or stupid or not take their claim seriously, or no one um, no one minds if you're sarcastic with that person um, or hurt their feelings one way or another. So these kind of like normal practices that we are all together, but this person is an outsider, is an instance of an in-group, out-group dynamic that is kind of hardwired in our psychology, that like we care about people who are in our groups, but we don't mind hurting or excluding people who are not in our groups. And for whatever reason, when those kind of grouping happens, you can see that people don't mind throwing someone from the other group under the bus or hurting them or discriminating against them or um, judge them unfairly or any many other things. But historically, when one group becomes the underdog consistently or one group becomes the powerhouse, um, and that power lasts a long time, you can see that they, that kind of dynamic um, recreates itself in all aspects of people's lives and becomes like a problem bigger than what we can easily see or if we can't see it because we are the victim of it, we can change. Yeah, that's really, thank you for sharing that because um, as the COVID-19 sparks, there's this, the rise of xenophobia is really, it's really influential to, other, to a lot of people's lives, and that's really resonate with what you just said about the in-group and out-group. Um, yeah, it's over like a hundred years since the Manticipation Proclamation, but racism against the minority is still a problem that remains unsolved. I just think most people have been aware of the importance and the value of equality, fairness, fairness, and justice for at least a couple decades. However, why do you think the passing interventions to address social racism issues fails? Good question. I think it's because of many things. One of them is that the history that I just mentioned yeah. and like how long it has been that like one group has been dominant, the other group has been dominated and how much it represents itself in many aspects of our social lives. And sometimes we try to fix one aspect of these many interrelated problems. And we try to fix that and we make some progress, but because these are related to so many other things, the problem won't, like the progress that we made is not sustainable and like goes back to the situation it was before. Some other times you see like the emergence of like backlash or some form of like collective resentment or like some kind of um, resistant, resistance to change that also happens for a variety of reasons for a variety of intentions. But I think the one that we should pay attention to a little bit more is that we cannot solve these problems in isolation. We cannot solve, for instance, uh, racism without thinking about gender inequality. 
we cannot uh, solve the problem of gender inequality or racism without thinking about class differences and how class changes people's lives. So there are so many interrelated problems that we often try to solve them in isolation, independent of the other, and they won't work because they bring us back to where we started and sometimes it makes things worse. Thank you so much for sharing that, Professor. And here are all the content we had for the first episode of the interview. You're more than welcome to follow the uh, channel and we will release the second half of the interview soon. Thank you for joining us and I hope you have a great time listening. I'm your host, Jingwen, and I wish you all the best. Thank you.